My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Hello and welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast. We have a dear friend that I haven't got to hug her neck yet, Macy Meeks from Alabama. Hey, Macy. Hi. Yet was the key word there, too. I know. I know. You're not far from me, and I I have stayed in the South a lot longer um, than normal. So I'm definitely coming your way not too long from now. So we met through social media. No, I want you to tell the story of how you found me because... I was actually looking for you when you were looking for what I was wanting to offer. And I love how social media and our bird dog world connects people when we don't even really know who we're looking for. Exactly. So I had taken a Sunday drive. I was running to the grocery store and this is after a long Saturday that I'd had with my brother and my family, we have a hunting preserve in Athens, Alabama that I work at every Saturday with uh, my husband and then my two younger nephews and my brother as well. And it's honestly just praying in the car like, God, I really love this passion you've given me. There's such a special story that I have throughout just my family's history in hunting and how we enjoy just doing that now, my husband and I with my nephews and my brother and just was praying like, God, I need a mentor. I need somebody to shepherd me in this arena. And I just don't know what to do. Literally look up the, up the, oh gosh, what was the, I think it was the new Upland Hunter or what's the podcast the upland thing. rookie podcast the upland rookie i love it i'm so embarrassed yeah, i forgot yeah, yeah. it wait we had like been inspired by so many podcasts i had heard from him and then just started scrolling and had never heard your name before and i think the title was how to become a better wing shooter it's like oh this is applicable and it's like anna v i was like oh and this is a girl cool and i started listening to your story and just your podcast it in its entirety and had to pull over a couple of times at (laughs) how directly I felt seen and heard in that moment and was a little emotional about it and listened to the whole podcast and just was very humbled just to be seen and heard that well by God. And then I Never am one to send people messages that I don't think you're going to respond. It's like, there's no way this girl will ever <laughs> acknowledge me as a human. And I just sent you a DM. I was like, you just humbled me to my core. Your story is something that is so inspiring to me. And you put words into my vocabulary to help share my story better, even to myself. And the ways that you are just so humble and honest about the highs and lows of your journey and the joy you found in all of it. And then we started talking and I was like, wow, this, this is not real. Like I have to pinch myself. It's too good to be true. So yeah, it was a very cool God experience for me. And 
it's just been pure grace ever since. So I know. Well, and you didn't know. I mean, that podcast was two, maybe three years old. Yeah, I didn't it's even old. Really. <laughs> Yeah, and so you didn't know that this whole last six months, I've literally been rebranding myself because. Like you said, like you were looking for a mentor. It started hitting me that I've never had a female mentor. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I've got to pump the brakes. And and I'll tell you what was the biggest light bulb moment about realizing where the new direction for me was going to go because I was just wide open, hardcore hunting and wanted to run tournaments because I I felt like I was getting my education in, you know? And then I was like, do you ever feel like you know enough to take on and guide somebody else? And I just wouldn't commit to that. But it was like everything in my life had stopped, like everything, including like getting my Instagram hacked and everything. I'm like, do I even have a career left? Like, I don't even know. And then you messaged me and I was like, I think I just had to get steel. Like, I yeah. think that the the directions that I'd been going on, everything that Demas had been coaching me on and how I was to use that had been something that I was running from because I was addicted to learning and getting in all those new situations, hunting and all the events and everything. And, and you know, that's an addictive world, especially one door opens after another and it's a new and exciting adventure. And so... I, I don't know. It was really crazy because I was struggling with it. And then you messaged me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have all these notes. I mean, I'm not the most organized person, but I have everything together. <laughs> you know, like, it may not, like, <laughs> you do. like you I do. wish I had all my notes in one notebook instead of loose leaf paper. And I don't know why I'm addicted to loose leaf paper, but it really causes some chaos in my office space. But I'm like, I have this whole program where I could help so many people. And here I am just adding new pages. Like I'm leaving people behind that I could just be experiencing all this together kind of thing. And so when you came to me and you're telling me your story, I'm like, she has no idea how heavy this has been on my heart um, to make more room for females. And, And this was the kicker. SCI did a video last year. They interviewed a lot of us ladies at um, SCI convention at our last year in Vegas. And I was there when JC's video was made, but it didn't hit me the same as it did when SCI posted it an advertisement for this year's convention, which they highlighted women go hunting. And she talked about how we need to be more accepting and more um, maybe more accommodating for women to come into the outdoors. And, you know, I get messaged all the time about what should I wear and all these things. And my first thought is like, who cares what you look like? Like, just come get your skills, you know, but for me to have my kid look into a camera and talk about insecurities that she was not raised to have, you know, I mean, like she was, she's been on the road with me for forever. So it's like, why would she even feel this way? And how did I miss it? Or was I not paying attention? And then how, how many women have I passed along that I just didn't pay attention because it wasn't my insecurity. And I just haven't taken the time or had somebody to say, Hey, like, this is real. 
And if we feel more included, then we're going to build our confidence a lot quicker where I'm like, let me get you with a gun in your hand and get you in the full-blown experience. There's been so many women that needed a booster before they could step into that experience. And I skipped that part. And so I saw JC's video about, about those things and SCI convention this year, knocked it out of the park for those things. Um, I hate you missed it. Um, because next year, yeah, I mean, I didn't make it to the Sables luncheon, which I heard was amazing, but they did a really special event for the first time this year, which was like a ladies breakfast. Mm -hmm. And it was so simple. It was super simple. There was nothing formal about it. And it was probably the most special event that I attended that entire weekend. And there was like three or four events every single day, but 200 women showed up and we were just standing in one room, listening to stories. And some of the um, Diana's were there telling their hunting stories. And there was just all these people that I never see because I'm, I'm in the bird bubble you know and right and this brought everybody together and everybody was so supportive and it was the first time that I really felt that connected to other women in the outdoors and I cannot stop talking about it so the committee that put that together knocked it out of the park no matter if no matter what they felt like didn't go as planned for us attending it was super special so right I think every um like since we first connected I have been more aware of how to nurture females in the outdoors where before, I guess I just thought like a dude, I don't, you know, I just didn't have those same insecurities. I was more scared that my dog wasn't going to be good enough, or I was going to miss a stupid shot that I should, you know, coming in from a shooting background, I had to be a performer. And so I skipped all of those other things. I mean, I'm like, as long as I'm warm and comfortable and I can use my equipment good. And cause I mean, I've dressed pretty and split my pants, switching guns in the back of my truck. Like I kind of gave that up a long time ago, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, you've really opened my eyes in allowing me to help you because it took me to a level that I just haven't slowed down to pay attention to. Right. But you've had some really cool things happen since we started our conversations and yes. I want to hear all about it because This is a lodge that some of my friends talk about and I've never gotten out there and you got to train there. So I know like you want to talk about your family and your lodge and the future of you and your husband opening a preserve and doing all the Southern tradition thing, but you got to train out West and I want to hear how that went. Not only did I get to train out there, I trained with some of the best people. My instructors were. Well, you were at the the Flying D. So you went through the Flying D guide school. Yes. In Kamaya, Idaho. And I had some of the best instructors you could ever want. They were all so different in their own ways, but in their own way also taught you phenomenal skills that you need to be successful in the field and to perform at the level that they do every season for them to turn around and then pour that into however many students they have in the school, it's just so servant hearted and such a benefit to the next generation of people who want to pursue the careers that they have. And I'm also very biased because not only were my instructors incredible, the class of people I went through the school with 
changed my life. I mean, that was something they didn't, you know, they market, you're going to have this great experience. Duh, of course, you're going to your flying bee. Yeah. Um, you're going to be taught by the best of the best Warvis guides. Yes, of course, experience that as well. And they are the best of the best. But I was so humbled at the people I sat in classroom with. Um, Where were they from? Them. Like, was from ever? they were all over? So two of my classmates were from Dallas and they worked at the Greystone Castle. Oh, wow. Yes. And they were, I mean, incredibly awesome people, very skilled guys. And that, uh, I mean, they were in operations at that uh, establishment as well. And then were very awesome guys taught me so much just about what that world looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. And then two of my other classmates were from Alaska and they, to set this scene for what it was like meeting them, they walk in and I've never seen a Drothar before. Okay. So they have on just really (laughs) cool clothing, but then they have these awesome dogs that are healed beside them, locked into what their handler is doing and they check in, like wave, say hello to the class. And I'm just in awe of their dogs (laughs) and, and getting to know them throughout the week, fell in love with the breed of dog that they handle. But then not only that, the dogs that they had there, Etta and Massey, they they changed my life. Bird dogs will change your life in many ways. In the week I got to spend with the two of them were awesome. And they were both insane hunters. Um, Elijah actually has a kennel in, Alaska that is called Folded Wing Kennel. So shout out to him. He taught me so much just about the breed alone, but also just the beauty of training dogs in the field. So and are you still the Alaska- setter queen? Are you still gonna be the setter queen? Look, I no. had GSPs knock me off that throne. I mean, <laughs> and then add in Etta and Massey, these just insanely awesome, well-rounded dogs that can do just about anything you would ever want a dog to do all in one. And no, I'm, I'm just kind of in disarray of where I stand with dogs <laughs> anymore because I left telling everyone at flying be like, please let me have your retiree dogs. I want all of them. And they're all at GSP and pointers. So yeah. That's another oh, beautiful no. thing about you're going to get kicked out of the family just for bringing, bringing up the short hairs. Oh, I know. And <laughs> like I said, what's it going to be like when I go pick up Etta's puppy in Alaska and she's a rabbit hunter, bird hunter, um, turkey hunter puppy that can just do all things. Cause in what I've learned about the draw cars there, they're insane. They're awesome dogs too, with the best temperament. So yeah. Well, I love I love that because we before when we've been talking about dogs, like you were just all about the setters and all that stuff. Well, I was like, I don't know. She's she's gonna run across some like really big running dogs, and they're just gonna be smoke shows, and it's gonna change her. But yeah, you still haven't that. hunted with my littles. Wait till you hunt with my little lab on pheasant. <laughs> You're going to be like, I got to have one of those too. <laughs> well, Alex, one of the guides out there had this precious and also beautiful, very talented lab named Ash that so I would did just you sit get back to hunt and with watch. Them? 
No, I didn't. And I think it's just more of the um, enticement to do so that I didn't get to. I um, He did a little demo for us and that was enough for me. And in that whole demo, Alex is walking through just the do's and don'ts of things with bird dogs. And I have a meltdown mid demo because I realized I'd been walking way too fast. Mm-hmm. all through guiding. I'm pushing the dogs way too much. And I go silent halfway through his demo with Ash. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I paid to come out here and do is learn from the best of the best that are going to boil things down to this level so that I can become better. So yes, just a wonderful experience. There's nothing that I could say more than that. I mean, but I wanted you to come out there though. And that was another conversation we had is when you're like, oh, you're going to the flying bee. I've heard great things about it. Like, well, oh, come on. You've got to come. I know. Me. I know. And you went like right during the middle of every convention. I know. Well, next time you'll absolutely have to join, but I didn't realize the legendary place that I was going to uh in preparation for the trip in itself but once I got out there it was like just something to behold not only the way that their staff runs things and how intentional they are and the guides out there are legends I mean I would think that anyone in the upland guiding or even big game guiding world would look to that as the pinnacle of your career and it makes sense um that things are that way because my most favorite thing we did was on the first day we all got to go hunt as you know just clients that were out there we weren't treated like students we went out with our instructor and had a hunt in one of the many like beautiful fields that they have and I was with Chad who was sort of my main instructor for the week and I was really trying my best to watch him and see if I could pick apart what he was doing as I've guided a little myself. And he was so smooth in his operation and everything looked so natural that then in the two to three days afterwards where he was picking apart his own strategy, his own intention behind literally everything he did, he thought about where, you know, he would have customers get out of the car or clients get out of the car. He thought about where folks would have to walk and the best places for them to find a bird. I mean, to see the smooth operation that he ran so flawlessly, but had put so much intentional thought to Mm -hmm. blew my mind. But then there were, Alex and BJ were our other two instructors and they had such different ways of approaching every piece of what goes into being an upland guide, but they were still just as insightful. And they taught me even more because I felt like I associated myself in the wheelhouse of thought that one of my instructors did, that was Chad. And to learn from someone who thought differently than me, that being Alex and BJ, it gave me this wide array of skills that I would never stumble upon myself and my own ways of thought. And throughout the school, I found myself one day being so myself in the way that I was considering doing things. 
And the next day I was in the middle of, well, this is how I want to do it, but this is how I'm being challenged to do things, not in a harsh way whatsoever, but because I see the brilliance of thought that can come through just more courageous ways to approach things or more um, just insightful ways of doing things. And in the middle of the week, just seeing this transition in myself to then on Friday, see a totally different person coming out of the school, especially with the whole dog piece in there. If you'd have told me that before I went to school, hey, Macy, you're going to be in love with a drawthar that's <laughs> a dog you've never even heard of before. Um, and you're going to also be so obsessed with the pointers that you, or excuse me, the GSPs that you're hunting with that you're going to go home and reconsider everything you ever thought about a setter to be your main dog before. Yeah. And yeah. you'll have to borrow mercy for a little while. Oh my gosh. I don't know if she'll walk or she'll, she won't hunt slow, but, but she is, a, she is fun. And she's a huge personality in the house. See, that's what I, I was able to pick up on with the dogs that I hunted with that were GSPs at Flying B is they may seem so sweet, humble, kind, just they're at the end of their pen, putting their lip, like prancing a little bit where you've got the pointers who are back and forth, back and forth, just being crazy dogs. But you let a GSP out and he's going to, he or she is going to be a machine. Yeah. They're not going to stop. They have such a reserved energy source that they use and they can turn the switch off just as quickly. And they want to be your pal in the oh next moment. Gosh, yes. Sleep in your bed and take over your pillows. And oh yeah. Big mess. Eat your chucker mounts. Isn't that what Mercy oh, did? She, she were, <laughs> yeah, she did get me. Well, there were, it was my quail mount, but <laughs> dang Mercy. I guess it happens. Like it's something nobody ever talks about, but I guess every once in a while they slip up and I don't know. So what do you think was your number one takeaway from going to the flying bee guide school? Um, for me, it was that there's so much community in the upland world. Yes. And there's so much that people are willing to share with you. Um, it's not this exclusive. Well, I don't want to share this piece of what I know with you because it might take away from what I can be as an individual on my own, knowing this by myself. Um, like I said, my classmates and my teachers are some of the most incredible people I've run across in this field and 0% of them wanted to withhold anything from our class or from our classmates as far as what they could give to them as a tool to help them in their world be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's been so impressive to me just through the relationship that you and I have developed is you don't withhold anything. You're just, Oh, here, how, how the question you asked me the most from the beginning is how can I help you succeed? And I don't know of many other worlds, especially in the hunting realm that are like that and that are that giving to individuals because everyone wants the best for those around them. And maybe okay. I'm just I lucky to have so that experience. Serious. Yeah. Because if we all don't work together, like 
what if it just went away? You know, that's like my biggest mm-hmm. fear. What what would we do with our lives if we didn't have our bird dogs and we couldn't upland hunt or duck hunt? Right. What would we do with our we would we would have nothing left. So it's like I want everybody to be successful. And you know, you have a different circle than I have. So if I can help you become your best and then you help everybody in your circle and you know, we just we grow. So it's right. just been a real big focus of mine. Like you said, like, or like I told you, you know, I didn't know when I would get to the point where I felt like I could, I would know enough to give back. Like I can coach shooting and I can help you run your dog, but it's like really mentor somebody, tell them the do's and the don'ts. And then I just realized it's just a journey. Like it's just part of life. Right. You know? So I do want to give back because all of the people that gave to me, like you said, everybody is so generous in this industry. And I think about all the people that have helped me and now it's like my turn to give back. Right. So, yeah. Sorry, my phone is being crazy naturally. (laughs) So, okay. Um, there we go. What about like, how do you think the things that you learned are going to change how you run in the field besides just slowing down and maybe oh, changing out your dog? <laughs> wow. Um, like I said, my first teacher really ex- showed me how intentional you can be in making sure your customer has a great experience. And while that's the heart of every guide, there's just so many further ways you can move beyond making things the best for them from what I ever understood that to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited. I get back in the field Saturday and I've asked myself and my husband a couple of times, I wonder how much I'm going to see a shift in myself. Um, I know another big part of that is not only slowing down for my dogs, but being the being an advocate for my dogs. There's a lot of times where if I'm frustrated by them, yeah, they will be able to pick up on it in my mannerisms. I'm not frying them by any stretch of the means. I'm very cautious with ever hitting a button that's going to cause that type of alert to go on with my dog but just being an advocate for them and not letting myself expect perfection out of them Um, I ran some of the best dogs in the U.S. last week and they were 99% perfect but there is a 1% that wasn't and I could have grace for that so for a dog that's younger and for a dog that hasn't had that much experience, then I can have more grace for them. And I can be an advocate for them to be a better dog by not losing my cool and by understanding that they're growing and learning too. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. So it wasn't until you got behind one of those dogs to even understand really what you're expecting and, and mm-hmm. how your expectations align with what you have on the ground. Right. 
Yeah. So that will be an interesting new perspective to take out into the field with me. And I've always been an heirloom gear person. The guide vest I've had has been my dad's, but it's always been a little bit larger and didn't fit me well. And there's been times where that's been an issue for me, but my way of thinking was always, well, it's not that big of a deal, but being in the terrain that I was in this past week and seeing how it is a big deal, it affects everything you do. If your vest is too big and you're expecting to get the amount of birds that are going to go in your vest, it's going to weigh it down. And if you don't have a good fit, it's going to be miserable to have to carry that around for your clients. And Mm -hmm. over and over, they said, it's not bad weather, it's bad gear. Oh yeah. And you know, something. (laughs) and it may have just been because I was a tournament hunter, but the banded vest, I think it's, I don't, I think it's the 2.0 is the one that I found and it has the front loading pockets, which I love because I was always on the move. So you never right. reached around you and we actually um, pinned the back and would shove the front and push them around, you know, as we yeah. build them. And that way they couldn't get out because at the end of the game, we had to produce all of our birds. So we wouldn't get credit for them. So right. But that vest fit me the best for location of my collar, because, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't fumble your collar or you miss timing on correction. Right. Your, your transmitter, you know? And so for me, like the, the transmitter just fits so perfect on that vest, the way that it fit that we, I never missed hitting my button. And that, that was a game changer for me. Right. Yeah. So So, that was another Tell everybody um, where you're located because you guys have a family um, hunting preserve in Northern Alabama. And then there's a possibility that you're going to open another one. If all dreams come true. Yes. (laughs) Which is so So, cool. So if anybody's looking to hunt with a, you know, have a ladies hunt with a female guide, I want you guys to know how to find Macy and you can always reach out to me too, but Macy, tell us about home for you. So home is my husband. And I live in Huntsville, Alabama, but my family's hunting preserve is in Athens, Alabama, and we do quail and pheasant and it's been a running operation for the last 20 years that was born out of my family's uh, just grief when the wild quail population began to decline. And from that, it's been just something we've all facilitated as a family. And if you're out there, you're not only going to see my brother who started it, you'll see me, um, my husband, and then my two nephews who I think are going to be just as bird crazy as I grew up to be. And are every reason why I do what I do as well. I want to make them proud and So it's a fun family establishment. We have great setters. I think we're going to add some GSPs and drops to the mix because I've fallen madly in love with those. We actually do have one GSP and he's awesome, but we need a few more. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and another thing I'll add in there for Huntsville area or North Alabama folks, uh, we've recently started the 
uh, Quill Forever chapter as well. Awesome. So if you're interested in joining that, I would, I know it's a long journey, but would love to see some effort made in facilitating uh, a wild quail population back to North Alabama. Oh, yes. The Quill Forever chapters are so, so great. They're really tight-knit, too. So yes. that's what you need to to plan for next year, is that you guys have to go to Pheasant Fest. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a must for you. And then you have to take your dog because everybody there has their dog. It's just so much fun. That's definitely a place that you guys should plan to be there next year. And you may have been out West during Pheasant Fest or right. It may have been right before you left, but um, yeah, I'll get you the dates on that so that you can start planning. It's a really cool thing. And, and it will be a really great perspective from you for now that you're guiding and that you guys have a hunting preserve and just all the opportunities that's there to connect with other people's it's limitless. Yeah. Well, maybe well, I can see. just hang out with you in Mercy. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see if we can make it. I've got to check all the dates because so many of yeah. those shows overlap, but we did go to Pheasant Fest for a long time and I really hate it when they make us choose, but sometimes we just have to choose. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad you had a great trip and that you learned so much and it sounds like it was more than you ever dreamed of it being. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I just have to give another special shout out to my classmates, Cole, Jenny, Ryan, Elijah, and Mike, and of course, all my wonderful instructors that I had at the Flying Bee and the wonderful ladies that worked to accommodate everyone so well. Oh, well, you made me feel like I missed out. So you did, but next year you can go get a trip out (laughs) west. Yes. All right, girl, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on all american wing shooting podcast Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me